Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 9, Episode 2. We're off and running in Season 9. It's going to carry us through the rest of 2023. We're excited. We've got a lot of great guests and a lot of important things going on to talk about. So we're all very grateful for that. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of Project Voice, General Partner of Project Voice Capital Partners. And we've got a fantastic group to talk about this week's news. Rena, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are. Tell us about Wisdocity. Sure. So thank you for having me. Uh, and uh, along with Ricardo and Nieves, it's uh, going to be an interesting uh, discussion. Um, so I call myself as an uh, entrepreneur and an author. Uh, more specifically, I call myself as the solo bootstrapped entrepreneur. And I'm pretty, pretty proud of what we have been able to achieve um, in my professional world as an entrepreneur. Um, I have been running my um, so-called IT staffing and technology company. Then I started working into um, developing an application that will be serving for um, the staffing and uh, recruitment industry. And then I started a nonprofit called Mom Relaunch to help women who are in a career break to get back into the workforce. So as you can connect the dots, I kind of specialize in the workforce and the talent uh, industry, talent development industry. And uh, currently it is such an interesting phase that we all are going through because of the issues and challenges and the excitement in the changing technology. Uh, taking all those experiences that I had, I also wrote a book called Career Interrupted that takes people uh, through the journey of uh, managing their work-life situations. And we specifically cover four personas in there, people who are laid off, people who are trying to transition, people who are working but not happy. And one of my favorite personas that I call about is when people are deciding if it is ready to start a family. And we call it as the parental indecision. So we cover it from all aspects and give a very uh, action-oriented book, uh, which, uh, so I'm very proud of all that that we are doing. Now, my latest venture is we are trying to create a generative AI uh, product in which we will be bringing experts and taking my experience in the career navigation and workforce, we'll be bringing experts within the that domain to help share their wisdom with the people who are looking for it, but they cannot get one-on-one time. So we are creating a digital avatars from them, for them, and um, so to interact with it, uh, with the learners. Uh, We are very excited about it uh, in terms of how it is developing and the domain and the uh, market segment that we are trying to not only work with the uh, people professionally, but also we are, I'm doing that uh, for my uh, community here. And there's a big aspect of learning from the local community members who are experts. And uh, that's why the term wisdom city comes in, uh, which means the building the city of wisdom. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we are doing, along with a few other things that I do for youth and uh, community. You're you're busy. Uh, you're <laughs> multifaceted. Uh, and I should have mentioned Mom Relaunch. That's a great project in addition to everything else. Mm-hmm. Rena, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm super excited. Next up is Nieves Abello Abalo Serrano. Uh, Nieves, uh, nice to nice to see you. Thank you for joining us as well. Take a moment. Tell us who you are. Tell us who you're with. 
Thank you, Bradley. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Nieves Avalos. I'm the CPO and um, co-founder of Monothers Lab. Uh, our company is dedicated to pushing the boundaries of uh, voice, voice technology in Spanish. Uh, we are focused on Spanish. And we work extensively with virtual assistants like Alexa to create innovative solutions for businesses and individuals here in Spain and in other speaking Spanish countries. Uh, at Monoceros Labs, we've developed a cutting edge technology too um, for voice, for synthetic voices. Uh, we are using technology based on a gener generative AI. Uh, which allows uh, allows us to create uh, new voices that don't identify uh, the voices uh, uh, which learns from, and we also clone voices, maintaining uh, the identity and the different accents of the Spanish uh, communities. No, so so it's cool too. And we are in, also in private beta with our product Phonos, um, F O N O S. It's, it not only helps uh, in generating content, but also enables uh, people to communicate through synthetic voices in Spanish and many other languages. Imagine if uh, Spanish speakers could listen to this podcast translated into Spanish with our voices, maintaining also our identities. No, so so it's so exciting, and it's an exciting time for us, and we are thrilled to be part of this industry too. I love the enthusiasm. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you on the show. Next up, we have Ricardo Marine from Vozi. Uh, Ricardo, you can tell me if I mispronounce your last name or not. Tell us who you are. Tell us about Vozi. Well, thank you very much, Bradley. Thank you for having me. Um, thanks to all my panelists, my my colleagues here, Rina Nieves. Um, my name is Ricardo Marine. You pronounce it very well. Thank you very much for that. Um, I am currently the Chief Officer of Vasi. I'm a co-founder of the company as well, but uh, I'm more in a technical kind of side of things. I've been, uh, all my life, all my career, I've been mostly focused on artificial intelligence and machine learning. Since 2010, when I published my first Meritors article, I've been trying to build um, a lot of kind of like um need in terms around artificial intelligence. I have been an entrepreneur as well, more on the IoT side and the data, data analytics side for retail. And uh, with Vasi, we, since 2018, we have worked a lot into conversational AI and how to solve um, a big problem that I think most of people have had before, which is a bad customer service experience. Um, our main mission is to build technology around solving a big problem, which is making people to experience a very good customer service with their love brands and how can they engage more with them. Um, we have been mostly focused on Latin America. We are a Colombian startup. We were, we were born here, but now after, uh, even a little bit before the pandemic, we were started doing remote work for all of our companies. So in terms of, of, of a company from, from a specific country, we are just basically from all over Latin America. Uh, we serve different corporate companies in Latin America as well. So we are mainly focused on um, of enterprises that have a scalability problems in their communications, basically. 
we work with two main products. We work with a virtual assistant that mainly goes through or it's deployed in the telephone channel. The 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 the, the um the telephone which we all know uh, from all over the years. Um, in which we automate conversations and we automate requirements. And so we solve customer requirements through that virtual assistant. We can deploy it as well in different social networks, such as WhatsApp, which is very popular in Latin America. And we also um, have a second product, which is speech analytics, in which we take on the side of auditing all converse, historical conversations and real-time conversations to determine if users are being um being attended or being or their customer requirements are being solved in the first contact, for example. That's basically what we're building. Um we have been trying to disrupt this huge industry for five years now. Um and we are trying to expand a little bit our frontiers to other countries, uh mainly in the as well as um uh, mainly in the in the Spanish language. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, really, really interesting company. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. So with that, we're going to get to the news. And let me go to the first story, and I'm going to read the headline. This is from the Today Show. A boy saw 17 doctors over three years for chronic pain. ChatGPT found the diagnosis. I'm going to read the subheadline too. Alex experienced pain that stopped him from playing with other children, but doctors had no answers to why. His frustrated mom asked ChatGPT for help. And we're going to go in the same order we did the intros in. We'll rotate as we go through. So, Rena, I'm going to start with you. Your take on this article, um, what stood out to you, and, um, you know, your your thoughts as to... Um, whether this is a um, red herring of sorts, that this is just some sort of lucky thing that managed to happen and we shouldn't put our, our faith in uh, something like ChatGPT to help us uh, when we really need it, or is it the exact opposite where this is an indicator uh, of many more things to come that we need to be using these tools more? Share with us your thoughts. Sure. So... I'm going to share a few things on this, apart from just from the article. Uh, just as I said, like that one of the things that stood out is the term mom, because that's what I do. And uh, I work a lot with, with the moms. So first thing that stood out to me is, wow, what's the perseverance of the mom? That is amazing that uh, anyone who shows that um, skill, basically, Again, I'm going back to some what what I'm really uh, into in the industry and things that we teach at Mom Relaunch is about transferable skills. And what it stood out it stood out is that term perseverance. I'm not ready to give up. I'm going to find the solution. And I think if anyone wants to learn from that article, is that skill first of all? Okay, so it's a little different angle from the technology perspective, but it's very important. And in fact, I've shared this article with everyone in my program. The second thing, uh, it reminded me of my own journey. Um, and I'm going to share a little personal anecdote here is about uh, when I had my first child um, in, he's 21 years old now. And I started facing a lot of uh, health issues in terms of uh, regular weekly fever and um, 
the amount of doctors that I have seen um, and the amount of uh, uh, tests and medicines from any kind of thing that I can think of I've been through and I still don't know the reason for it. And I wish there was a chat GPT kind of thing that could have helped me. So, uh, and I still face a little bit of those issues, but it has reduced significantly. Now, coming to the actual uh, article about the technology and how it can be and what is the future looks like, there are two things I would say. The third thing that we just jump, jumped out to me was, we are not comparing apples to apples here. So we are talking about 17 doctors who are specialized in their own area and a technology like uh, chat GPT, which is consolidating every knowledge bites and things that has happened so many places. You cannot expect one doctor to know everything. Now, it is definitely goes back to mom saying that, hey, I'm not going ready to give up, but she has used it as a tool. Even after getting that um, analysis and diagnosis from chat GPT, she did went back to the doctors and said, hey, is this true? And that's what we talk talk about the human intervention. Yes. So if we use chat GPT as a tool, and if we are not using it as a tool, I think we are missing out. Now, is it going to be the replacement for doctors? There's still a long way to go, in my opinion. No matter being the human side of it, I, I think if I put myself as that mom, I would say, yeah, I think I, this is the right thing. But can someone still verify it? So that verification is still going to keep the human in the loop. That verification will still make the human understand and verify that it is the right way. And again, who knows later down the road, ChatGPT will uh, or uh, these tools will evolve into that. The third and the fourth aspect is what can we do for the professionals like doctors and others to at least consult for them to consult before saying that, hey, or everything is on the mom's side to do it, rather than it would have been a very different story if the doctors themselves would have done a little bit of research and said, let me ask Chad GPT myself, what is happening here, right? That could have changed the story a little bit more in my opinion. So I think I've, I've brought in a few things in there. If we summarize and say, this tool and this story is a real indication that if we don't utilize the tools that are available to us, we may fall short in what we are doing and may fall short in our productivity, no matter who that professional is. Today, if if I have Zoom, that's why we are having this whole thing. And tomorrow, if somebody say, oh, I'm going to only meet in person, they are not utilizing this tool. So that's kind of in a my nutshell uh, analysis on that. No, I think that's great. And, uh, you know, just, just to touch on something that you said, um, how many medical professionals are using ChatGPT? The answer yeah. is a lot. How many mm -hmm. are talk, talking to the media about it? This Zero. many, mm -hmm. you know, uh, these are, these are proud, you know, mm -hmm. professionals who would never, they, they'd rather go jump off a cliff than admit <laughs> to using chat GPT or that it helped them in any yeah. way. But if the truth were known, I suspect it would be very different. I appreciate your comments on that. Nieves, I'm coming to you. Same question. Um, interesting article with this. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, what stood out to you? And um, is this a, a, a glimpse into the future? Or is this just some random thing that just happened to, to happen? 
so uh, bradley can i just one comment uh, based on the fact that you said about the proud doctors uh, who are not ready to speak sure is because uh, sure. Uh, i grew up in in uh, india and whenever we used to go and ask doctors can you explain why it is happening or what is the real problem or if we used to suggest something to them it, this could be the problem because this is what my body is this is what i'm feeling and their statement majority i would say not all majority would say are you the doctor or i am the doctor right so even <laughs> even if they go back and i find that completely different here because in us by the way that uh, they are sitting and explaining you this is what is happening this is what is the reason and i find that as a drastic change in not in terms of the technology and the ego and the proud but also the cultural side of it that may be stopping the doctors to be our medical professionals to be so i just wanted to bring that part out No. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, we we've got a lot of unsettled business in terms of how the human ego fits into this, but when you throw culture and geography into that and and it yes. just gets more complex. I I appreciate that as well. Mm -hmm. Nieves, same question. Uh your thoughts on the piece? Is this a glimpse of things to come or just some random thing that And I would say that we have to take into account that as Rina said, this is a tool. ChatGPT is a tool, no? And we we must not compare ChatGPT to a doctor in terms of uh, the ability of reasoning and having and taking all the knowledge and taking this into account to create um, uh, uh, or or to say this mother uh, what could happen with his, with uh, her kid. No, so uh, I think that as a tool we must know uh, which downsides or disadvantages uh, this tool has in order to be able to use it in the good way, no, uh, instead of <laughs> the bad way, no, and. Um, I would say that ChatGPT only uh, is very good at um, uh, guessing which is the next word that could fit the best in the in the prompt, and it's not a it don't it doesn't have the ability to to understand what he's saying, no, in in some ways, or or which is the mother uh, asking for, no. So uh, I would say that this is has been. Uh, a lucky guess uh, because uh, I, I'm sure that most of uh, the um, diagnostics that could ChatGPT do could be failed too because of this, because of a statistic. So taking this into account, we could use it uh, for the good ways and also trying to minimize the the bad ways. No. So that's that's a that's a good vote of confidence there um for the technology and uh ricardo i want to i want to go to you and ask the same question so you've heard um two pretty enthusiastic responses uh so far i want to get your thoughts what stood out to you um from the piece and again is this a glimpse of things to come i would add um answering your question if it is the future um I would add to Nieves as well that this a really good analogy on how these models work and what they're doing on beneath the the hood, which is which I find that very useful is that it, these models or these kinds of tools are kind of like parents. Uh, they know what they're talking. They're really good at talking. You can teach a parent how to talk, how to imitate a human, and basically they 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 they're really they become very good at it. 
they talk, but they don't know what they're talking about. They just simply uh, build in a probabilist, a probabilistic uh, kind of like distribution on which is the next word that should be said, right? So at the end of the day, this is kind of like a parrot, and it will not know exactly or will not have that ability of reasoning causality or determining why is the real cause of something. Um, but on the other hand, what it's really good about this is that these models are really are very good at understanding the context and understanding what is happening in a bunch of documents and texts. So that means that at the end of the day, this could lead to, if we build upon this, this could lead into models that really become good at determining or classifying diseases. This could be the, the, the next big thing in healthcare. Just not understanding pattern, or sorry, just not, just not only um, determining the, the, the uh, over time your metrics of your health, but, almost, but also determining patterns and determining what could be or what could be happening to you. We understand that there's a huge responsibility on all in the health industry to leave that kind of diagnosis to a machine. But as Nivis was saying, this is just a tool. And as Rino was saying, we should all understand and we should all know how to use these tools to better or improve our, our own human ability. Um, so therefore, I think that this is kind of the new beginning. This could be something that we all know that this is not a very good diagnosis, that we cannot let machines do that right now. But building upon these models and building upon this kind of new technology could lead us to some um, some of those solutions and some of those applications uh, of the technology. You, you bring up an interesting point. Um, you know, if I say to, you know, I'm, I'm, I just turned 43 years old. So if I, I, I say to my child, you need to eat your vegetables, right? If I, let's say there's two of me sitting here. One of me says to, to my child, you need to eat your vegetables. But I have no idea why. I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue what the health impact of that is or how human biology works or anything about long-term health or anything about cor correlation versus causation in terms of nutrition. I don't know anything about anything. I'm just parroting something that I heard mentioned at some point before. Then the other version of me is sitting here saying, you need to eat your vegetables. And I know all about all of those things. I know uh, all about uh, the the reactions and and uh, how how things that you know acclimate to the body you know that we consume and vegetables are better than almost every other option and also the child is young and taking into all of the various factors and and I'm, it comes from a very knowledgeable place. It's the same statement. It's the same words. It's the same guidance. But is it the same? I think that's a lot of the struggle we're going through right now. I, I think the realization we're coming to is it's the same, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, that's that's a dangerous place for credentialed, educated, degreed, not educated, wrong word, degreed uh, professionals, um, because now 
it's not a matter of just saying the right thing at the same at the right time. You got to be you got to have levels above that. So it's it's really really interesting what's happening with this. I mean, like in this particular story, you had ChatGPT tell the parent that uh, you may want to go look at this uh, because you know this is something that uh, uh, your child may be suffering from. Um, the story, you know, kind of, I mean, other than going to the back to circling back to the doctor and saying, Hey, you agree with this? No. Yeah. This is what it is. The the story kind of ends there, right? Like nobody's doing a forensic analysis of chat GPT to figure out, well, my God, how, where did this come from? Like it, to some degree, the truth is the truth and, um, it doesn't matter uh who says it and that's also at odds it's kind of how our society works right now too so it's really really interesting really interesting story it's it's great to hear y'all's comments any closing thoughts before we move on well um again i i'll um let's we're working on the what you just said about two versions of yourself right uh i think you have to add a little um Another persona to that is who's listening to you? Who's listening to the two versions of you? And whether it is same or not spoken by the two versions of you will rely more on who's who's on the other side. If you have a kid who has all, who's trusted you like anything and uh, doesn't question, yeah, it, it, they will say, yeah, both are the same, right? They were not, not going to ask you. But if they have a question, kid who is like super curious about that, why did you say that? And how to explain me all these things? Uh, the challenge is not about uh, chat GPT uh, having that, um, making it sound the same, but it's the transparency of like our, what you said about is nobody's doing an, a forensic analysis of where this data is coming from. And it's not only, even if we ask, is ChatGPT giving that transparency? Is these large language models providing and taking that accountability of where the data source is? And that is where the trust and that is where this whole discussion is happening around bringing that transparency of how and what data is used to train that. And I think it is a bigger, bigger, bigger uh, uh, discussion. Um, I don't think we can resolve in this, <laughs> this channel here, but I think that trust and making sure that the source of the data is validated is going to be a big industry there. Well, that's a good segue into our second story. And uh, I'm going to read the headline here and uh, I'll, uh, I'm going to rotate the order as well. Nieves, I'll start with you and then Ricardo and then and then uh, Rena, you as well. Let me um, read this. This is from TechCrunch. Druid, a conversational AI platform for enterprises that integrates with ChatGPT, raises $30 million. So uh, this is just from uh, a day or two ago. And, uh, you know, my question is not so much about this particular company. It's an interesting company. If you have a comment on that, that's fine. It's it's more about Nieves. Um, you know, are we getting to the point now, like, what's the headline here? Is it, is the inclusion of ChatGPT in the headline central to why they were able to raise money or why anyone cares or is is that a hindrance to them you know I, i'm curious to your thoughts on whether chat gpt was helpful or hurtful to them to get to the, this fundraising point 
And then also anything else that jumps out to you just about about the article or about what the company does, because uh, as the article does point out, there's a lot of companies doing this line of work. Yes. Yes, I think that ChatGPT in the title uh, has helped them to raise uh, money, is for sure, is what we are seeing in the market. Uh, generative AI, ChatGPT, and so on, uh, looks like brings more value to your valuation of or whatever you are building. No, uh, but we are also building technology, and when you try to use these this tools, these large language models, you understand which limitations they have, no? And they look like they chat, but they don't chat, no? <laughs> it's like in, on themselves, they are not able to really communicate and to create conversations with users because in the very first step, they lie sometimes, hallucinations, no? This is the first uh, thing that makes a conversation not viable, no? If you start not trusting in your uh, the people or the machine you are talking to, uh, this could raise uh, some concerns, no? So uh, it's clear that ChatGPT and large language models alone, uh, they don't bring enough value, in, in my point of view, uh, to these kind of tools, conversational AI tools, which you use and put in front of uh, millions of users. No, So you have to mix, to use uh, several different approaches to get uh, what is needed, no? And and that's uh, what they said in the article. They have an, a platform from long before uh, with traditional uh, AI tools, conversational AI tools, and they have added ChatGPT uh, to manage uh, different aspects of the conversation. No, this is the good way. I think um, you are bringing and you are. Um, bringing the, the upsides, the, the, the advantages of uh, both uh, approaches, no? Uh, but of course, uh, putting ChatGPT on the title uh, raises valuation. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it brings a lot of attention to it too. You know, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I think there, there's a, I think all, if you ask the executives of any of these companies um, that are creating these larger systemic frameworks, you know, like a Druid uh, or some of the other ones mentioned in the article, they would tell you that, you know, ChatGPT has a play. They, they're going to, they're going to minimize ChatGPT in those conversations. No, 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 no. It's, this is all us. This is no, don't pay attention to that uh, behind the curtain. Um, but uh, you can see how the media uh, wants to spin it. It's the exact opposite. And I think your comments were great. Uh, Ricardo, I'm coming to you. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to hear your point of view on this, just with everything that Vazi does. Is ChatGPT something that um, you, I've seen multiple approaches. I've seen, uh, we don't use it at all. Uh, I've seen we use it, but it's just a part, uh, uh, an ingredient. It's part of the alchemy uh, of, of our uh, overall service. And then, oh, no, 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 we're we're fully embracing this thing. Tell me where y'all fit in and, and any other uh, takeaways from the piece. Sure. Um, basically, the way we see it is, um, and to answer a little bit your your question about the name and specifically ChatGPT in the name, the way we have seen it is that we, way before 2018, 2019, we were trying to uh, push this into big companies, 
try to automate their contact center operations. What we what we ended up doing was first evangelizing, basically trying to teach all of our customers what could be done, trying to make them imagine what could be the future of this and how far can we go trying to automate a customer requirement. Um, we then used some tools. We now used, in our point of view, we now used ChatGPT as well. Um, the main thing here is how do we solve the main problem, which is how customers are being, um, how the requirements are being solved in a in a customer service experience, right? So the main point is how to solve that problem. Now, what kind of tool do you use? Is is what in the way we saw it is that in 2018 we have to evangelize and we have to teach a lot of people how to, how how far we can get. But now, uh, VCs, investors, everybody has understood how far this can get, and that's why they're when they see ChatGPT, when they see conversational AI they're dumping a lot of money into it because they can see that there's a huge opportunity because they now realize how far these things can go and this technology can go. In, uh, I mean, the global contact center alone software market is a, is a 23 point, or 24 billion dollar a year uh, industry. Um, just having a little bit of that huge market it's very meaningful for a lot of investors. So now that they have realized that we, you can automate fully a requirement, even even coding, as some people have been uh, has been doing with ChatGPT, they they now understand that dumping money into that kind of technology can can give uh, a very good a big profit in the near future. Um, now taking that into account, uh, in our perspective, as I was mentioning before. The way we see it is that there's a bunch of people being stuck in customer service uh, processes for one hour, not getting their their solutions being met. I mean, there's a huge problem with that. There's a huge amount of investment on the side of companies and enterprises to solve that problem. But all that we have come up with is just using a contact center, using the humans to solve that kind of problem. So. Um, what the way we see it is that we should fully embrace whatever help us to solve that uh, main problem. In our end, we have embraced OpenAI obviously because their models are really good. Their results have been uh, really good. We also have done our own research and have built our own um, LLM fine-tuning implementations. We have done that for specific use cases. Um, and it depends as well on what the company wants. For example, we have had clients that have they wanted they wanted to train their own model with their own data and their own infrastructure, which we only uh, do basically just as a consultant or know-how service. And then we also have had clients that say, okay, my the data that I'm gonna use for this process itself is public enough that I can use OpenAI, so I won't have any kind of problem with that. Um, so they do it that way. So that depends on specifically the use case. But our main take on here, take here is that we have a mission that we can have a bunch of tools. And as Neil was saying, the main the main secret sauce here is how do you implement all those stuff, and how do you cohesively um, cohesively integrate them to solve a specific problem. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, <clears throat> With Project Voice Capital Partners, where we see 
a lot of different stuff that is essentially just um, one little increment of something added to ChatGPT, you know, uh, like a ChatGPT wrapper, um, so to speak. And um, that's uh, that's going to be a no from us. Um, it's been a no from us uh, a bunch uh, because uh, not only is it just uncreative and lacking any sort of authenticity whatsoever, but also uh, you you worry about if you're really built on this one thing, uh, we know that the regulatory and policymaking environment is uh, yet to be determined. It's in flux, and we don't really know where that's going to shake out. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of how we look at it is, as you said, you want to see like a synthesis, and the Ibis echoed this as well, you want to see a synthesis of, of tools um, of which ChatGPT is one of them, and uh, it's a good way to hedge your bets and, and serve the customer. Rena, uh, I want to ask you the same thing. Any anything in particular? <clears throat> anything in particular? Jump out with this piece uh, about you know these conversational AI platforms, and specifically to your point uh, made in the previous uh, with the previous story, you're talking about security and privacy uh, things like that. Um, do you think it's a mistake? for companies to lead with ChatGPT or to allow, you know, the media, uh, I mean, to some degree, Drew had had some control over this, but um, do you do you feel like it's um, undesirable to have articles written that lead with ChatGPT, given everything that's coming up? I just, just want to hear your thoughts on all of that. Sure. So number one, um, Leading with these uh, names and uh, things around ChatGPT is not new anymore. So as of now, it doesn't make people, oh, this is happening in ChatGPT again. We have gone through that cycle. So I don't know what was the uh, angle that they were trying to put that name in the title in terms of bringing that uh, integration. Uh, second of all, if I look at it, uh, I think I'll be more concerned Knowing that ChatGPT themselves are going to release ChatGPT Enterprise, where, where will that put, put this company into picture, right? If ChatGPT is doing the same thing. So ChatGPT is uh, partners like, um, when I say partners, because of course, when we did our first POC uh, and we are still integrating our Visdocity product to make sure that we understand the APIs and things from OpenAI. So we understand where it is and what is the value proposition of having that trust and the data source and the people that they're giving us the knowledge and not going into that all the um, GPT. But there is a play of open AI to use with the knowledge base that companies and enterprises have. So they they would have in a better position. It's like, it seems like you're adding a wrapper, as you said, on top of GPT and pr producing this. Third thing that I go back and say, oh, so what's new in that this company is doing? There's tons of companies that is already doing the same thing in the conversational AI and in customer service thing. In fact, wearing the hat of my mom relaunch, I look at it and I find articles that say a lot of women are going to be dis uh, uh, affected by the customer service roles. And I'm thinking, okay, you're doing it, but the effect is there will be a lot of displacement. So now we are opening our program for mom relaunch to even bring women who are transitioning from an existing career 
who will be affected by these technologies and getting them into a different technology area. So I look at this article in a very different way from what I hear. And uh, it's like, I didn't find anything particularly enticing in terms of the what they are doing, how they are doing it. And of course, there is a huge market there. So to Ricardo's point, there's a even if you get, get in, in that a little bit of a market share with that industry, it's great. But what's the big deal? I couldn't find that big deal about this in this article. Uh, so other than the fact that you have raised um, uh, uh, me being a, a bootstrapped entrepreneur, that's one thing I've never done. So it's, oh, wow, they they can raise money for this kind of product, which is nothing new. So what what can be done, what, what it is there? So so I didn't personally, I didn't find anything very interesting um, other than the fact that it opens up a new area for us to help women who will be disproportionately transitioned out, out of the job. Uh I like that. You know, I, I like uh, saying that there's nothing interesting about one of these stories. There's nothing to, there, there's, I think that's interesting in and of itself. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, which is kind of weird, but I, I, I agree. I, I think that, um, you know, if, if we had a nickel for every one of these companies, we'd have, we'd have a lot of nickels and uh, there, there's a, there's a lot more coming down the pike and, there's got to be some sort of differentiating factor. It's like a, it's like barbecue restaurants. It's like you know mm -hmm. you can't can't just open another one. You got to have some sort of reason. You know what I mean? Uh, some sort of differentiation. Um, we're we're at we're at that point. We're at the point where mentioning ChatGPT is either absolutely no value add, or it's a minus in terms of the the company and like customers going to the company. Uh, getting the media coverage is good, but I would say that article was not very flattering for Druid, in my opinion. Um, I think that uh, that I would say we'll call that a wash in terms of yes, they get their name out there, but no, you start to read a little deeper, and I don't think it's that great. So it kind of leaves us in this gray zone. I I, I love the, the way you ended that because it's okay. it's this ambiguous kind of nebulous area, like where where are we going exactly um, that it kind of leaves you with? And we'll leave, we'll leave that uh, right where it, it should be left, which is right there. Ricardo, I'm going to start with you with the next story. Um, and uh, I'm going to read out the headline. This is from computer world. WWDC 2024 is Apple on the road to Siri 2.0. And so in the last 10 minutes of the show, I want to uh, give uh, the three of you a chance to, to, uh, share your thoughts on this. And Ricardo, I'm going to start with you and then Rena and close with Nieves. Um, over the history of this show, we've asked a bunch of times, is Apple worth paying attention to? Uh, they really are just kind of sitting there, um, not impacting a whole lot uh, in the realm of conversational AI, um, although their legacy looms large. This is a super interesting piece. Just want to get your thoughts. What, what stands out? First of all, um, what I think about this is um, you mentioned it as you just mentioned it as well. Uh, they have a huge experience in terms of conversational AI. Siri is the example of that, and the main or the latest strategy that they have done or taken. I would uh, do an analogy with what they have done with virtual reality uh, in that industry as well as you, as you, I'm sure you know. Uh, they have been a little bit kind of late so to speak, 
to that um, product, uh, the Apple Vision and the Apple Vision Pro, right? Um, what uh, what they did with that was really amazing. I mean, they always take a lot of time into thinking very good how a new technology is going to impact their users. And as we were talking before, how is going to cohesively integrate with all of the other devices and products that they sell. The main idea or the main, as you may already know, they are really customer-centric. Cent- customer, um, so they really understand their user and what they want. So they want to integrate everything, any kind of new technology, very good with that. So they even, I mean, I don't know if you remember but when all smartphones or when smartphones were coming up, the copy-paste functionality was not very common, right? And Apple took a little bit of time to really understand how they build it into their system. So it was really cohesively and really, really good without any kind of friction. So in that sense, I think that they're doing that. They, um, they're trying, and the the same news says the same article says that they're spending millions of dollars a day in training these large language models. So I think that what they're trying to do is understand really what how are they going to deliver this to their users. Um, Photoshop has done it really well with their product, building images out of the blue with generative AI just by typing a prompt. Uh, health and we have seen, I mean, recognizing patterns to determine Ill, uh, illnesses. Mm, I mean, and in that case, I think they're trying to do that, trying to know how they can integrate. They also talk about integrating with shortcuts. And I don't know if you, have, if you have used shortcuts before in an Apple device. It's not very easy to use. So I think there's a huge opportunity there um, in terms of automating your life through a virtual system. So you're optimistic. Yeah, very optimistic. Um, excellent. Uh, yeah, and I thought your your comments were spot on. Rena, coming to you. Um, interesting piece uh, about Apple, about Siri. Uh, your thoughts? Well, uh, before I answer this question, let me thank you once again for inviting me for the Project Voice Conference in Chattanooga, where I met Adam Shire. Uh, Shire. And um, uh, he uh, did a presentation in our school district on August 31st uh, about how he thought about Siri as a product. And of course, you knowing him, he did it with his magic show. So when I saw that article, it's like, oh, wow, that is such an amazing thing to be talking about, because not only from the perspective of what is Siri 2.0, but interacting with the actual founder um, and learning how it all started, it, it gives me a per- completely different um, uh, perspective here. Apple as a company, you also mentioned that is Apple being late or left behind or is it something happening? I personally think Apple as a company is one of the so-called responsible companies, just my perspective and opinion. I Yesterday, I also saw an article, uh, I would say not only an article, a LinkedIn post with a video that is, I think, was amazing where Tim Cook himself was acting in that video. And they were talking about the sustainability and the climate control. And that is one post I did pretty uh, interesting uh, comments and responses. So Apple as a company, I think if they are doing and if they're taking time, I think there could be multiple reasons rather than rushing and trying to do because others are doing it is how I look at it. Um, again, I am I use Apple uh, laptop, I use Apple AirPod, but I'm not a big fan of app, iPhone. I, I'm an Android user. So I see 
what things Apple, when they release into a market, where they do things, there is a quality associated with it. Okay. Now, if they're thinking about if Siri 2.0 is going to be the next product, I'm sure when it comes into the market and when it is there, and when Apple come into the picture of these conversational AI, it will learn from being the trendsetter from Siri original, le- apply all those learnings and come up with a product that is a little bit more sane, <laughs> a little bit more trustworthy, a little bit more something that we can rely on. So I'm looking forward to this uh, next, um, uh, how Apple comes into the picture. And if you all have not seen that video, uh, I would highly recommend take a look at it and see, uh, maybe they're analyzing what is the climate impact of all this craziness going on. Who knows? <laughs> I've seen that video, Rena, uh, that you're referring to, their their ad. Yeah. And, um, you know, they Apple has paid a lot of money to convince you of their mm-hmm. sustainability, that they care about sustainability. So I'm glad to see that that's working. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just giving you grief. We 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 both love Adam, and uh, you know certainly his involvement with Siri and and you know creating it and all of that. It it shades our perspective on it. I, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think your comments are great. And and Nieves, I'm coming to you for the last word. Interesting article. Interesting stuff going on with Apple and Siri coming out of uh, their you know in the context of their conference. Your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I think that they are obviously doing some work there uh, with large language models and trying to improve uh, series capabilities. And I agree with Ricardo in terms of, yes, they are going, they already know how to apply these kind of things and make them seamlessly useful in everyday products. So I'm looking forward to to use it <laughs> and to uh, know how how can they uh, help us no in every way but I also want to know how how they can um um leverage uh, this uh, because they are so uh, privacy first now no uh, how they are mixing these kind of things no Yes, uh, we know they are working on chips on the mobile. They are going to improve. This is going to improve a lot of things. But this this kind of research interests me so much. So let's see how they do it. Well, y'all, y'all are, are very optimistic about this company. Um, I will, uh, <laughs> you, we'll, we'll let that slide. We'll, we'll, uh-huh. we'll, we'll live with that. Uh, uh-huh. Rina, we, we will have to have another discussion on it. But uh, we, knowing... yes, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, yeah. there, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's like y'all, y'all remember this company like made a MacBook where the space bar didn't work, yeah. right? I mean, you remember some of this stuff. Um, but uh, uh, like all companies, uh, it's some you take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. Rina Nieves Ricardo, thank you for giving your time. Thank you for sharing your expertise and perspectives with not just me, but the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you you very much. You You got it. So for This Week in Voice, Season 9, Episode 2, thank you for listening on your podcast provider of choice. Thank you for watching if you're watching us on YouTube. Until next time.